let's turn to Joshua chapter number one. Joshua chapter number one. I know we had our Bible reading from 2 Samuel 12. Enjoyed the testimonies and I think I'm going to nominate Sarah Bird for the senior pastor of Good Shepherd Baptist Church. (laughs) She spoke better than most of us do up here. And uh, if Joyce Meyer can do it, I guess Sarah can do it too. <laughs> Tim, that was really good. Just, just, but you know, the best thing I can say to people is just be authentic. Just, if you'll just be who you are and if you'll just be real, uh, that, that comes out and people can see that. And, and uh, as Australians, I think we look to that. We just, uh, it's something we esteem. Uh, Mount Tambourine, when I saw the... The, uh, the scenery up there, I remember I, I, did, uh, I got saved on a camp and then I was at high school uh, and I met some, some, some couple of girls and some others there that they said they were Christians and so we had a little bit of, you know, a little bit of connection and uh, they told me one day, they said, uh, they said oh, we're going on a, a, a scripture union uh, leadership camp and they sort of said a little bit, you know, and I said, oh, Oh, well, I'd like to go on that. And they said, Wayne Shemish, you can't go. You're too immature. And I remember them saying that. And it was probably true. But, uh, but I persisted. And, and I just wanted to go, I guess, because they were all going. And I thought, well, you know, I want to go. And so I went, really not knowing what would happen on a, you know, a scripture union camp back then. So, I, you know, I would have been probably 15. And we went to just the same place where they were. And that was a really life-changing event for me. That, that was a tremendous week uh, and that connected me up with some people and uh, it was very, very good for me. I'm, I'm all for camps and I think they, they can do some great things in our life. You know, the challenge for you younger people is to still be in church when you get older. Uh, every now and then, uh, you know, I'll see something on... Uh, on uh, Facebook or something of somebody's, you know, and I'll think, oh, where are they now? Or what happened to them? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of young people who sat where you're sitting tonight. And, uh, and, and we, we love them. We're not, we're not saying anything derogatory about them. We, we, we love them and feel they're part of our church family. But I just want to say they're not here anymore. And I just want to say that many of them wouldn't have even gone to church today and they've gone a different way. So the day will come where mum and dad won't be waking you up to say, get ready to go to church. You'll, you'll get to decide yourself. And I hope, that you, I hope that you've already decided that this is real enough that you will make the right decision to be in the Lord's place on Sunday morning and Sunday night. But, but just remember, Pastor Shemish is telling you, and Pastor Boyd has certainly told you, that the time is coming where you'll have to decide that yourself. And, and I pray that in the next few years, uh, if the Lord not come before, that you'll be finding yourself in church. Not because mum and dad told you to go, or not because anyone else, but because you know this is real, God is there, Jesus is real, and I need to be in church. And I hope that you'll, uh, I hope that you'll do that. We, we certainly want you to. All right, Joshua chapter number one. I have a bit of a... a, bit of a I say a leadership thought because if I say that you might sort of just confine it to somebody else but really it's probably 
uh, I think there's a universal application to families, to churches, maybe even a little bit to business and some other areas. And I just want to show you something here. And, and uh, I, I guess this is a message I would have liked to have preached in some of the churches who have since called me for counselling and asked my help in some things that they've had to deal with over the years. Usually on any given week, wherever I am in the world, uh, I get, you know, a few calls from uh, pastors or other leaders in churches, some from America, some from Australia, some larger, some smaller, and they will sometimes just ask about some things, and I don't know that I can always help, but, but as I listen, I do find that there are patterns of things that occur in places all over the world. And so I want to give you a principle tonight that uh, maybe you just would take hold of. I suppose like anything from the Word of God, if it isn't something you immediately need, then it certainly is worth holding on to because it might be a pearl that you'll gift to somebody else one day. Does that make sense? It might be a pearl of truth that you'll transfer to somebody else or you'll give to somebody else. So just uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse number 5. And of course, if you read earlier, Moses is dead. Uh, Joshua has now become the leader. Verse number five, God is addressing Joshua and he says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Well, it would be wonderful to have God say that to you. Um, I guess Joshua, when he got to the end of his life, looked back and said, well, that was true. What God told me was true. It was a promise for Israel, but it was a promise for Joshua too. So it was a promise for Israel in that you will be able to conquer, you'll be able to go into this land and nobody will be able to stand before you. But it was also a promise to Joshua that Joshua, in the same way that you saw that I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And uh, Joshua, you'll have enemies but they won't, they won't, they'll never overcome you uh, because I won't forsake you. I'll, I'll, I'll stay with you. And, I, you know, praise God, he never forsakes us. And that's a reason why you shouldn't forsake him uh, because he is that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And uh, he'll never forsake you. Uh, he'll, never, he'll never cast you off. God never gets bored with you. God never outgrows the relationship with you where he wants to move on. That never happens with the Lord. He'll always be beside you. He'll love you. He'll set his affection upon you. And, uh, and that will never be diminished. And nobody will ever love you like that. Nobody, nobody will ever love you in a way that uh, he'll never be tired of you. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll never... Uh, uh, think what well, you've changed. He'll just always, always be there. And he made that promise to Joshua. And, uh, and I trust that encouraged Joshua. Chapter number three of Joshua, just another one verse here. Notice verse number seven. And this begins the understanding of our principle or our, our thoughts tonight. Verse number seven, and the Lord said unto Joshua, this, chapter three, verse seven, this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, uh, so I will be with thee. So in chapter 1, that verse, uh, was it uh, 5, God gives assurance to Joshua that he'll be with him. Chapter 3, God says to Joshua, and uh, he said, Joshua, what I'm going to do today is uh, in the sight of Israel, I'm going to lift you up. 
And, uh, and, uh, and uh, God, is, God is revealing something to us here. Uh, we can see a little bit uh, of something that God understands. And uh, what God is showing us here is that when a leader uh, leads and, and gives a certain victory or good things come through a leader, that strengthens the followership. So followers like to follow a leader who's winning. Followers like to rally behind a leader uh, who is achieving things. Uh, who, and, so, and God understood that. So what God said, now Joshua, it was all going to be God's power. God was going to uh, part the waters of the Jordan so that they could cross. But Joshua was going to be the lead of all that. And God said to Joshua, I, I, what I'm doing, Joshua, uh, because you're now the leader, uh, they're going to see the miracle that happens and, they're going to, and you're going to pronounce it all and they'll see it happen because I'm going to do it. Uh, but it's going, to, it's going to increase you. It's going to lift you up before Israel so you can lead. And that was the idea. The idea was that, that uh, God would lift up Joshua so that the people would follow Joshua like they followed Moses. And, uh, and so God understands that. He magnified Joshua. He strengthened him uh, before his followers. When the people follow the leader who is following the Lord, much can be done. When the people follow the leader who follows the Lord, uh, much can be done, much can be achieved. Uh, may I say that our families should be in that kind of unison. Uh, leadership is something that God gifts to us. i say that again, God gifts it to us. Uh, he gives us people in our lives and in certain relationships where a leader is gifted to us and uh, it is a gift because it provides somebody for us who can know the way, uh, who can, can step ahead of us, somebody we can follow. When we're parents, we're leaders to our children. Uh, we go first, our children follow us. We do reproduce after our own kind. And uh, so there are, there are leaders in all kinds of areas. Certainly uh, in churches, we have a leader. We typically would look to the pastor and, uh, and others uh, in that role in the church. Uh, in the home, the husband is the designated leader. He's not the designated dictator. Uh, he's the designated leader uh, who gives of himself and sacrifices for his family. But he is to be the leader. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, when uh, all is going well, uh, uh, fellowship uh, can follow that kind of leader quite easily. Does that make sense? When you're winning, people get on board. When it's working out, uh, if the church is growing, there's not much murmuring. Uh, but, uh, but if the church is decreasing, there'll be a little bit of murmuring. Uh, if, if, uh, if everything is up, 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 it, most people are okay. Uh, but if things begin to uh, decrease a little bit, or uh, some problem happens uh, in family, church, business, wherever, people immediately look to leadership. So can you see a pattern of that? Remember that when... David uh, came back to Ziklag and the, the, the ladies were carried away and the houses were burnt with fire. Their thought was, or some of them at least said, who God called men of Belial, let's stone David. So they were blaming the leader. And, uh, and that's typical of fellowship. And you need to understand just how that works. That, uh, that when it's going well, uh, fellowship normally can stay in step. Uh, but if, if it doesn't go well, if something happens... Uh, if there's a loss uh, or a defeat, 
then what happens is that leader becomes weakened in the eyes of his fellowship. Are you with me? Uh, so I'll give you an example. And it's not a church one, it's a home one. Uh, I remembered a couple, and uh, this is the benefit of a little bit of age now, uh, one of, uh, is that you get to look back on some things. And so I remember a couple many years ago who, when I knew them, uh, they were a Christian, a Christian couple uh, attending church who had raised their family in uh, Christ-like values. Their family went to church every Sunday. Uh, they were at every service. They were known as being Christian people. Uh, they were involved in uh, missions, projects and such. Uh, there was a husband and a wife, uh, which back in those days was a man and a woman. And uh, they, uh, they were a family. And what happened was uh, the, the husband did do something uh, that was, uh, what can I say, uh, was not good. Uh, it, it wasn't adultery, uh, but it was something happened. And, uh, and here's what I saw take place. Uh, that lady, the wife, who had been very, uh, d- very devoted to her husband, uh, she had borne many hardships uh, of the family and, and uh, I don't want to say poverty, but, but it was tight, raising the family and, and uh, you know, she was often uh, washing the nappies of babies and, you know, they didn't have disposal. And she just bore all that with a certain amount of dignity, I guess accepting that this was the part of life and serving and, and just having a family. And she followed her husband, but uh, when, when, when he did that thing, uh, which wasn't adultery, when he did that thing, uh, she began to question the. She began to question his leadership. She she began to, to think to herself. He's probably not spiritual, or in fact, she said he's not spiritual. And uh, and she began to think, I'm not sure I can follow someone like that. And she began to ask questions about her role and his role. And what I'm saying to you is a whole lot of things begin to build up there where she no longer was willing to stay in this place. And she rose up to saying, no, no, you're not spiritual. And there were things you could point to. There were things you could point to with him that you might agree he was not spiritual about those things. But she used that, or somebody used it, to, to change the relationship. The end of that was that after, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I'm going to say about 30 years of marriage, uh, that relationship ended. Uh, and there was children. Uh, she moved away from her husband's authority. She no longer was uh, believing uh, that he was God's leader for their family. So that happened a long time ago. So I got to watch it play out. Uh, I was, uh, once I say involved, I was, I was around in, when it all first happened. And, uh, and we tried. Uh, people tried over the years to, particularly the, the first little while, to fix it up. Uh, the end result of that, uh, I, I want to say, was just not a happy ending uh, for her. Uh, she withdrew her fellowship. Can I say that? She decided the person she was following 
was no longer worthy of her following and she withdrew her followership and decided to follow herself and uh, it led to, uh, you know, not, not a good situation. Now, my point in sharing that with you is not to be condemning of anybody uh, back then uh, or here or anywhere, uh, God forbid. Uh, but uh, my point in sharing it is to point out to you that when things are going well, when the leader is leading and there is victory and success and Jordan is parting or the Red Sea is parting, people follow that. Okay, that's not particularly a dangerous time. Okay, but here is the danger. The dangerous time comes when the leader transgresses at some level. Now, if, if, if perchance anybody's sitting here being psychological and, uh, and saying, is this about Pastor Lloyd or... Uh, let me just let me just a thousand percent tell you, this isn't there's nothing to do with that, and and and, and not not at all. It's just Pastor Shemish giving you a principle that you you should get hold of. So what I'm saying is, when a leader transgresses, uh, then that becomes a dangerous time for those who follow. Now, when a leader transgresses, the attention will fall upon the leader. But in fact, if God is still with the leader, which most often he is, it will turn out to be a transgression in their history, but it will not turn out to be the abandonment of God in their life. The real danger will be for the followers. The husband will recover and he can get himself right and he can repent and he can get over that and he can get back in tune with God, but she's already withdrawn. And now what happens to her? You see, see if, you, if you look at, if you look at uh, leaders in the Bible, if you look at David, I, if you ask me to pick a time, you didn't ask me, but uh, if you ask me to, uh, to pick a time when I might like to have lived in the, in the Bible, well, certainly I would have liked to have lived to have seen Jesus, uh, just to have seen Jesus, but, but, but that'll come. Uh, but it would have been interesting for me to live in the reign of David. Because David was the one that God said, this is a man after my own heart. You remember that? I know you remember that, but do you remember all the events of David's life? Can you, can you, can you, can you look at it as a whole? So, so David did a lot of things that were blessed and God was with him. And he led in a wonderful worship. He, 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 he brought them all together. Their, their, their great days were when David took the leadership. David positioned the kingdom for Solomon to come in. But David was the one who had subdued the enemies, had brought people together. Uh, uh, he, 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 had a, he had a great love for God. Uh, you know, he was so many things. But, but if you look at David's life as a whole, there were, some, there were a few occasions where there was a transgression. So, so we know that, right? So, so, so we looked at the one that concerns Bathsheba, and I'll return to that in a moment, that was when he took another man's wife. Uh, but there was also the time when he numbered the people. And he was given advice uh, to not number the people, uh, but he made the decision he did, and that resulted in thousands of deaths. Uh, and that was a transgression. There was also the time when he decided to, to move the Ark of the Covenant to its place, 
and he transported it the wrong way and, uh, and that resulted in somebody's death also. So I'm just saying that, that don't, don't be delirious about what leadership really is. Don't, don't be delirious that there's a kind of leadership that never transgresses. There is no leadership like that. And the reason there's no leadership like that is because we live in this post-fall world and every one of us still live in what the Bible calls a body of corruption. So a body of corruption means that we're supposed to be walking in the new nature and not giving in to the old nature and we're supposed to be mortifying the flesh and the deeds of the flesh and the old man is supposed to be crucified but how many of us know that he keeps getting off the cross? And uh, we do our best to crucify the old man but many times he doesn't stay crucified, he keeps getting off the cross. And so as long as there is uh, corruption, uh, as long as we're in the bodies we're in, as long as we're in a world that uh, is sin, you know, God, God knows what he's dealing with. But the reality is someone's still got to lead the family. Someone's still got to lead the family. Okay? And uh, someone's still got to lead the church. And uh, someone's still got to lead in certain ministries. And that someone's still got to be our leaders. And, and in David's case, somebody has to sit on the throne. And somebody has to lead the military. And so you have a leadership here uh, that uh, is, not, is not one that has not transgressed. So our, our, our focus is not so much on David's transgression, but, but the principle is this. There is a really dangerous time when a leader transgresses, particularly for those who follow. Okay. So again, look at the life of David. David recovered from all his transgressions. David doesn't end his life in shame. David ends his life uh, 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 speaking of the mighty deeds that God had done to, to this day, to this day. And David is pre-Jesus, to this day. Uh, if you fly, if you get on a plane and uh, you fly to, to Tel Aviv and then you take the 50-kilometre bus ride to Jerusalem, you will go to the place where they say, this is the, this is the tomb, this is the sepulchre of David. I don't know if it is but they still, they still homage him as their great leader. So I'm just saying that, that, that we just need to keep all that in context. Uh, every leader uh, in every area, family, uh, church, uh, ministry, uh, there's no business leader who calls it right every time. And, and, and maybe people are okay with that except when they lose their bonuses because the boss didn't make the right decision then accusations start flying. See, once we have a stake in it, uh, it's very easy then to, to blame somebody for stumbling. All right? So when, 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 when that happens, when, uh, when there's a transgression of the leader, okay, it becomes a very dangerous time for fellowship. So I'm going to say this to you uh, tonight and, uh, and just, uh, just say this. Sometimes it may not even be that the leader has transgressed, but it might be in our minds he has transgressed. It, it might be that God would not, would not determine that he's done anything wrong, but it might be that we determine he's done something wrong. So we might feel that, that, that uh, you know, he failed in some capacity or, or he was, you know, I've had people say to me in the past, you were not there for me. Uh, when this happened. 
And uh, sometimes I didn't realise that I had uh, failed them, uh, but, but, I, but I was told I had. And, uh, but, but whether it's actual or whether it's just our perception, the reality is now as a follower, you become in a very dangerous place. Because, uh, because, because lady, now you're looking at your husband with not quite the same stardust that you were looking before. Now you've seen enough that you, 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 you know uh, he's not right every time. And, and you can start to question what, what you should do, what you should do. It's a dangerous time for fellowship. And more often than not, when these things happen, and I'll show you here, uh, the one who transgresses, if he's still with God and God is with him, he recovers. But often the fellowship that doesn't handle it right, they never recover. They never recover. Is, is this, is this, if this is not sounding practical, should I just bring it down? A little, should, I, should I fly a little closer to the ground? Would, would you understand that there are people who are no longer in our churches because in their mind the leader transgressed in some way and their response to that was to withdraw their fellowship? So you've seen that happen. Now, if they withdraw their fellowship and perhaps they align with another spiritual leader, uh, maybe it's okay. But, but is it not true that many times when people withdraw their fellowship from leadership, uh, often they're not okay? You, you, you meet them years later, they're not doing better. They're, they're, not, they're not more spiritual than they were before. They actually have come quite down. Okay, so it's a dangerous time. And I'm just trying to teach the principle tonight because... Uh, you know, at some point in every area of life, uh, a leader, the leader of that area of life, ministry, husband, church, any area, will transgress in some measure. And it's what you do then that can have a profound effect on where you're going to end up. Okay? So, so, so uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, which, uh, thank you, Curtis, for reading. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12 uh, is when Nathan comes to David. And one of the things I can do here tonight that I can't do when I'm in Thailand, I can presume Bible knowledge. Now, if I were in Thailand, I couldn't do this because they, they wouldn't be able to connect this. But I know that most of you already be familiar with all of this. And so we can just, you know, we don't have to read every verse every time. So Nathan has come to David. And if you, if you, you know, what happened was, is that David had some time before Nathan coming, David took another man's wife to himself and then, um, you know, I don't know how you say it in any good way, but he, uh, he set up the husband so that he would be killed on the battlefield and it was a setup, and it was, it was really, it wasn't right. It was, it was worse than it wasn't right. It was really bad and, uh, and that's what happened. And now Nathan the prophet has come and basically he's going to point out to David uh, his sin and Nathan has been sent from God. And uh, he, he says to David, you know, God knows what you did. And, uh, and then he, he says uh, from verse number 10, uh, here's what's going to happen to you. Now before this, these things were not happening. All right, so... so what is, what, he, what is about to happen was not happening before. 
So there were a whole lot of people following David that really just saw David mostly in a place of victory. But now they're going to see some stuff. Okay, so, that, so here's what they're going to see. You know what? Look at his family. And, and, and when you see somebody's family unraveling, you know, you just, well, it can just make you wonder about the leadership of the home. And even if, even if there's no fault there, but is it, it's, not a, it's a normal thing to do that. And the Bible does say if a man's going to lead the flock of God, he's got to have his home, his children in subjection. He's got to have an orderly home because a home is a reflection on us. And uh, so, so what's going to happen now is that Nathan said, here's the judgment, David. In verse number 11, the sword, this is, this is awful. So was all, whatever happened to, as awful as what David did to Uriah, which was the man he murdered, uh, this, is, this, is, this is payback, in a, in a, you know, here it is, verse 10. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. You know what I hate about sin? I'll tell you what I hate about sin. The thing I most hate about sin is sin is never in isolation to God. In other words, when Nathan said that to David, Nathan didn't just say, you know, you sinned, you took Bathsheba and you killed Uriah. You know what God said? God said, you despised me. That's the awful thing about sin. I mean, sin is bad if it's just at a level us to us, but it's further bad because it, it can't just be us to us. What I might do to you, God's in the picture. And that's why my first act of repentance is always to God and then men. Whatever I've done, I've transgressed against God first, not just men. And God said, you despise me, David. And David was probably, that, that, that alone probably just, you know, that was probably like a, like a punch in the head. And that's what God said, you despise me in doing that. The sword will never depart from your house. Violence will be on your family from this point on. Who would want that? Who'd want that? You know, if, you, if, if, if you've got grown-up kids... And, and your kids are ripping themselves apart, it just kills the parents. They hate to see that. No parent wants to see the children warring and, and divided. It's awful. And then more than that, verse number 11, more than that, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbour, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. So, so the pronouncement on David's transgression, God is judging him. God will always judge the man of God. You, you don't have to. You, don't feel, you shouldn't feel you, you, you think you have to. God, God will always, because God takes ownership of the man of God. God, God. When God puts his anointing on a man, God puts his ownership on that man. And, and that man has a sort of a lonely walk because there's just something going on between him and God that others can't get into. 
but also God will judge him directly. And when God said, uh, someone from your own uh, place, a neighbour, will come up who will lie with your wives, we know the name of the neighbour. We can put in brackets above that, Absalom. It wasn't just a neighbour. Do do we dare speak it? It wasn't just a neighbour. It was a son. It was a son. Your own son will turn against you and will despise you and will hate you publicly. Now, these are fearful judgments. These are, these are fearful judgments. Uh, I, I don't know. If I was David sitting there hearing that, I might have taken a big gasp, grabbed my chest, fallen on the floor. That might have been the end of me. Really. I might have just thought, oh, I can't bear it. Because David would have known all that was true. David wouldn't be thinking, oh, maybe it won't happen. David's a believer. He knows God. And so this is a fearful judgment has been pronounced on David. And, and now uh, these things, uh, they, they are going to take place. By the way, uh, verse number 13, lest we passed over it. Uh, David said unto Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, what? The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou, that, uh, thou shalt not die. In other words, God, God, God will deal with you about this, but God has also put it away, David. So when God puts away a sin, we probably shouldn't try to bring it up again. If God puts away a man's sin, then we probably shouldn't feel that we would be the ones to, 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 to bring it back out. Was the judgment not severe enough already? Did, did, he, did he need any, any, anybody to just say anything? Was the weight of it not enough already? He was now going to bear for the rest of his days uh, violence in his family and, uh, and uh, his own son would rise up against him. Now, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15, remember, what, remember the, the, our thought was when leadership transgresses or, or that's probably the right word when leadership transgresses uh, whatever happens to the leader it's a dangerous time for the followers and it's dangerous because followers have to respond to a leader who's transgressed meaning that if they're not careful this can derail them if they, if they don't handle this right it can be it can be them who ends up wrecked And the end of this is what you're going to see. I'll tell you the end before the end. What you're going to see is you're going to see people who who did not handle this test and their their life is going to be wrecked and David will be back on the throne. That's going to be how this is going to play out. Because the, the, the people following are not able to, some of them, some, can't handle this. And the end result is they'll end up wrecked and David will end up serving God. And, uh, and I'm just saying, this is a lesson there. So, so who's the person we're, we're focusing on? You could probably pick a number, but uh, 2 Samuel 15, uh, verse number 12. Now, here, here we are 
uh, uh, Absalom has, uh, has risen up and he's already trying to kill his father and all the rest. Verse 12, and Absalom sent for, and this is the name that we'll just look at, uh, well, or just track a little bit, Ahithophel, uh, the Gilite, David's counsellor. So, so Absalom summons Ahithophel and the end of verse 12, and the conspiracy was strong. What was it? It was a conspiracy to destroy David. For the people increased continually with Absalom. So what has happened now is that Ahithophel uh, has, has bought into this now and Ahithophel, who previously was a follower, and not, uh, not, not, not a distant follower, he was in close, he was an advisor. Uh, Ahithophel was very wise. Ahithophel had his own giftings. He had an ability to give counsel that was, was like it came from God. And Ahithophel was very close to David. David would refer to him in a psalm as my own familiar friend. And uh, that, uh, that psalm about my own familiar friend is linked with Judas, who would also betray Jesus later on. So there's a connection now between Ahithophel and, and many years later, Judas Iscariot. Ah, they both died the same way. Okay, study deaths in the Bible. Deaths in the Bible are not just mm-mm. deaths in the Bible or the, mean, the manner of death in the Bible tells you something. Okay, so I'm going to tell you now, hanging is not a good one. So when you find people hanging in the Bible, it's never good. It's, it's, a, it's not good. So Judas hung himself, Ahithophel hangs himself. Absalom will be hung up later. Okay, hanging is not good in the Bible. So, so Ahithophel now conspires against David. Now what brought that on? So all of this has come out of David's transgression. And I don't want to minimise that. It was a serious transgression. And long after these people are out of his life, he's still going to be paying for it. So, but, but I'm just saying Ahithophel, all of us... Well, I don't know. I want to say all of us could be Ahithophel. All of us could find ourselves in the place of Ahithophel where, where we feel like uh, the leader has not done everything he should have done or he's transgressed. Uh, who was Ahithophel? Well, seemingly, uh, 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 we think, I can give you some verses on it, seemingly we think Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather. So Ahithophel is connected so what David does to Bathsheba, actually, it was, it was Ahithophel's grandchild. And so, and so their family is turned. Anyway, Ahithophel buys into this and he turns against David. And verse number 12, uh, 13, uh, and there came, um, uh, we're in chapter 15, there came a message to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And then go to chapter 17 and just following Ahithophel, because it doesn't, it doesn't go right because God is with David and, 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 uh, and God is not with those who rebel against him and fellowship has made a bad call here. Verse 14 of chapter 17, Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai the Archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had appointed 
to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. Verse number 23, And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulchre of his father. Ahithophel did not handle it right when there was a transgression in the leader. So I want to say to all the ladies here tonight who are married and all the ladies who believe that, uh, you know, you should submit to your husbands. Okay, there might be some who say, I don't believe that. But to all the ladies who believe that the husband should be the leader in the home and that you should submit to his leadership, okay, you need to be careful if your husband ever transgresses. Okay. You need to be, that's going to be a dangerous time for you because that's going to be a time where you're going to hear whisperings about, well, you know, he's not worthy of me following him anymore. He's not worthy of me staying with him. He, he doesn't, he's not walking with God. And at that present moment, he may not be. He's not walking with God. And I'm more spiritual than he. And that becomes a really dangerous time when a lot of families don't make it. Okay? And don't ever think that your, your, your home will not be tested. Because all our homes get tested. And don't ever think our churches will not be tested because our churches do get tested. And don't, don't ever think that, that, you know, we'll just sail through uh, without... The, the problem is, because we don't understand the dangers, we get ambushed. And just like that lady I referred to uh, in, the, in the illustration many years ago, made some decisions uh, that resulted in a very poor end uh, for, for, for her because of the way she looked at it, all right? So here's what I want to do. I'll give you one, two, three, four, five and finish, all right? Or is there six? I think there's five. Okay, so we're talking about the leader transgresses, a dangerous time for fellowship. Okay, what do you do? Okay, here's number one. Uh, don't go looking for a transgression. Number one, don't go looking for it. Don't go seeking it out. Don't go trying to find it out, Okay? no good comes from that you don't need to do that okay should God want to show something to you he can and then it will fall on you to be wise how you handle that but certainly certainly don't look at your leader assume the best believe the best uh, 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 pray, pray for the best uh, don't 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 be slighted easily don't think he's transgressed against you uh, uh, don't think that, that he doesn't love you anymore. Don't, don't do that. Uh, be careful. Don't, don't go looking for it. Don't go seeking it out. Number two, if you do see it, try to turn away from it. Now, this is probably flying contrary to everything. Depending who you're talking to is how this will be received tonight. Okay? Because if you're talking to people who've already got a grudge, what they'll be saying is you're just trying to defend the transgressor. Okay? But really, I'm not. What I'm trying to say is it's a dangerous time for the follower. Okay? The, the transgressor will be dealt with. But it's a dangerous time for the follower because you can get messed up. Why, why are you saying this? Because I get calls from churches who have this sort of thing erupt in their midst. 
and followership doesn't know what to do and it, it ends sometimes very bad for many people. And families, like I said. Uh, and you've got to be careful of that. I was borderline sharing examples, but I won't. All right, so if you see something, uh, better to just, just turn away from that. I have an example here. Many years ago, I went to... I've probably told you this before. Many years ago, I went to lunch with a, a well-known pastor, well-known leader. Many of you would know his name. And I went to lunch. It was a rare opportunity. It only happened one time. At the lunch table was him and I and uh, another man who would eventually become uh, the pastor. And so the three of us were sitting at lunch. It was a great honour for me to be able to do that. Uh, uh, if you ask me, you know, who he was in the category of a man who had helped me enormously to understand God, to grow in my Christian life. He was just one of those people God had used in a great way in my life. And so I got to go there. I was sitting there in an honoured place. And uh, he began to talk to the other man. And the conversation was nothing bad, but, but the conversation sort of began to go a certain way. And, uh, and I just began to hear it a little bit because there was just three of us at the table. And, uh, and when I began to hear it, I noticed it started to disturb my spirit. So here's what I decided to do. Now, what some people would have done is they would have continued to listen to try to find out what they could find out. But I didn't want to do that because this person had been such a blessing to me. This person had helped me so much in my life. I didn't want to block the pipe that the blessing was flowing through. Does that make sense? I, I didn't want to damage the conduit through which the blessing was coming. I wasn't delusional that this person was perfect. I already knew they weren't. But I just, so here's what I did. I got up and left the table. I didn't get up, slam anything down. I made an excuse to leave. And my excuse was, can I get you a tea, a coffee? I interrupted the conversation so I could leave. I did that as a strategy to protect myself. Okay? Because I, 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 it, I, I was getting too much to allow the source to be damaged. There was too much value. And you might say, you know, our home is too important to have it break up over this. Uh, what we have is too important to allow loss over even this. Uh, I must not do it. And, uh, and it's a dangerous time. So, so don't go looking for it. Okay. I know that's contrary because today some people say, no, no, look, no, I'm saying my advice is don't go looking for it. Secondly, my advice is if you do see it, uh, uh, turn away from it. Proverbs 19.11, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 25.2, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honour of kings is to search out a matter. Sometimes what we're talking about, we're, not, we're talking about cover over, not cover up. All right? So, so, so you don't air all the dirty laundry about your family in public, and nor should you. You don't need to... Some, there's some things private, right? There's some things that pertain to who it pertains to. It's not given to everybody. It's not supposed to be for everybody. So, so, so don't go looking for it. If you, and if it does happen, just try, try to you know, not, not, deal, not see that. God had already dealt with David. You know, in life you can be a herder or you can be a healer. And you've just got to decide what you do. Loyalty is never known until it's tested. 
You can say you're loyal, but you'll never know that until it's tested. You can say, uh, I have decided I, will, I would never leave my partner, but you'll really know that when that gets tested. You might really mean, I would never leave my partner except for. You might mean that. Okay, so you have to think about that. But you'll never know the fullness of your loyalty until it's tested. And that's when you'll know whether you were loyal. Can I say there's something grand about being loyal to the weak? Anyone can be loyal to a strong man. But there's something grand about coming along beside somebody who maybe doesn't deserve anything and just saying, I'm beside you. And I love you and I'm with you. And I don't care what you've done. That... I'm just here and I'm going to stay and we're just going to be together. That's, that's very, that's very God-like. All right? So, so, you know, if it does happen, you decide. Number whatever, don't discard all the good because of the bad. You know how often people lose so much good because of so little bad. So if, if you can't handle being in David's kingdom because of three transgressions, then don't go at all. But you're going to miss a lot you're going to miss a lot. If you can only be in a transgression-free kingdom, I don't know where you'll find one. Because anywhere you go, if, if, if it only works for you when family is perfect, I don't know where you're going to find one. Because, because the nature of it is that it just isn't that way. So, you know, don't lose all the good because of the bad. And then the next one, don't stop following. You may need grace to keep going, but, but don't, don't stop following. Don't, don't abandon. Don't don't, don't, don't break up your family. Don't break up your church. Don't, don't, don't abandon uh, long friendships. Don't, don't do that easily. Don't, don't try to stay in there. Pray for grace to continue, to, to keep going, to keep serving. I would like to have thought if that had happened, I might have been a little bit disturbed that David, my leader, did some of those things, but I'd like to, have, I'd like to think I'd be numbered with those who stayed with him. I'd like to think I'd be able to say, you know what, God is with him. That's undeniable. And I'm just going to stay with him. The hand of God is on him. What it, you know, he's a man. But the hand of God is on him. And I'm just going to stay. That kind of loyalty is lacking in Australia today. That kind of loyalty is lacking. Where that kind of commitment is just, just doesn't seem to be there as, as, it, as it used to be. Uh, so so don't, don't do that. And then here, here's my final, well, don't side against somebody in weakness. You understand that, that at that moment, David was weak because of his transgression. That, somebody becomes vulnerable at those moments. Uh, that's when it's easier to hurt someone. But you have to decide who you are in that. I'm not a vulture. I don't wait for a carcass to fly down. I don't want to do that. If someone's in a moment of weakness, that's my time to be strong for them. Okay? That's not my time to say, now they're weak, I can prevail against them. I don't believe in that. I believe in, okay, now they're weak. I have to be strong. Oh, now Suzanne's weak. i got to be strong. Oh, now I'm weak. She needs to be strong. Okay? And, and, and that's relationships and that's life. Children, as you grow up, here's what's going to happen. As your mum and dad get older, they're going to get weaker. They're not going to be as strong physically. Uh, over time, their mind might be just not as able to bear as much. And that's when you've got to rise up and say, you know, my mum and dad did all this for me 
and now they're getting weaker, so I'll be strong for them. I'm going I'm to help them. This is my time when they need help, and I'm going to be there for them. I, I thank God that so many times our, our children have been there for us. And I could never have imagined a day where I would have needed the children. I would have always thought the children need me. But you know, it's changed. It, honestly, it's changed. I think I need them more than they need me. So many times God has used the children to just be a, a strength, to just, just be there. And uh, that's what it should be. That's what it should be. I want to be that kind of church member. I, w- I want to be that way to you, to your family. If you're going through a weak time, I want to come along and try to just be beside you. And I'm just saying, can you see that's Christ-like? That's how we should be. That's how we should be. We don't, we don't jump on someone when they're weak. We try to, we try to help them. And then here's, this is the closing thought. Don't allow what happened to get you on the wrong side of God. So somebody, through a leadership transgression, real or perceived, but nonetheless in the eyes of the follower, somebody did something wrong. And then, have you seen this before? They don't just, they don't just leave the church, they become opponents to God. They start sprouting things that are totally contrary to God. They don't just leave the church. They almost, if the church has a setback, they rejoice in it. They're glad to hear about that. They're not thinking about, well, what does God want? What about the work of God? You know what's happened? They've joined Absalom. They find themselves on the wrong side of the ledger. Their personal hurt has taken them to a place where they become opponents to what God is doing. And you don't ever want to do that. Don't ever find yourself in a place where you're opposing what God is doing. Don't don't ever be in that place. Don't be against God. Don't be against the work of God. Don't be against souls being reached. Don't be against missions happening. Don't ever get yourself in a place where you're on the wrong side of the ledger because of your hurt. And you start becoming an obstacle to the work of God. And you start becoming a hindrance to what God is doing. And maybe worse, you become an activist against what God is doing. And you've got yourself on the wrong side of the ledger because of your hurt. You're hurt because of what happened. And that's what I'm saying. These are the dangers of following. Uh, I want to read a last scripture. It's a little bit sobering. And uh, 1 John chapter number 2. I just want to read a last uh, scripture here talking about not finding ourselves we're on the the wrong side of the ledger Uh, we don't we don't want to be doing that you know some people some people feel vindicated if if they if they uh, have a falling out with someone and that person you know comes completely undone They, they they smile about it or they leave the church and the church is is now struggling they feel good about it can you see that you're on the wrong side of the ledger you're opposing what God is in Even if you don't like some people, don't get yourself caught on the wrong side of the ledger. 1 John 2 verse 18 and 19. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. 
They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, we're not supposing for one single moment that every time someone goes out that they're an antichrist. Nobody is saying that, okay? God moves good people to other places. We understand that. What we are saying, and what he's saying, is there are some who were at one time amongst us, they then went out from us, and, then, and they're, 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 they're opponents to us. They don't, they're not with the Lord anymore. They're against the things of God. And we maybe have seen that happen. So we don't want to find ourselves on the wrong side of the ledger, no matter what happens. Don't, don't get out of the will of God because somebody else transgresses. You, you, you make sure you be careful at a time like that. That's a time to be careful, to, to be godly. Nothing, nothing will test you like that, is when, when something happens. Uh, God forbid that that ever should happen to your home. I pray it would never happen to your home, but, but if it ever does visit your home, you know, it's a time to be really careful because you don't want to come completely undone uh, because of that, Okay. Should we sing this little light of mine or something cheerful to, uh, <laughs> to uh, sort of get out of this? Uh, okay. All right. Just a principle. Uh, uh, hang on to it. Uh, 